This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, March 17th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. There is a lot wrong with the process the Senate uses to confirm or reject federal judges, so says Cato adjunct scholar Josh Blackman. He argues instead that senators, if they are to continue to have hearings at all, should be asking potential judges about the original meaning of the Constitution and about their judicial philosophy. In their current form, uh, judicial confirmation hearings have become a show. The candidate gets up there, preaches fidelity to the law, and says absolutely nothing of any merit. I think part of the problem is that the senators are asking the wrong questions. So a few months ago, Randy Barnett and I wrote a piece in the Weekly Standards at five lessons for the next Supreme Court justice. And we offer some concrete tips of how the confirmation process can be improved. In its current form, it's basically worthless. So one of the methods in which the confirmation process can be confirmed is instead of asking a candidate about specific cases, let's ask them about clauses of the Constitution and how they were originally understood. And I'll give you a very easy example. During Justice Sotomayor's confirmation hearings a few years ago, she was asked about District of Columbia v. Heller. This was the landmark Second Amendment case where the Supreme Court held that the right to keep and bear arms is an individual right. Sotomayor was asked about Heller, and she said that Heller was, quote, settled law, settled law. Not even a year later, after she was confirmed in the case of McDonald v. City of Chicago, she effectively voted to overturn Heller. Asking a nominee what they think of a Supreme Court case is worthless because once they're in the, you know, in the big chair, they can overturn whatever case they want. You want senators to be asking these nominees about the original meaning of the Constitution, how they understand the Constitution, when it was... Uh, ratified, what does that do? What does that achieve? It forces a judge to discuss their knowledge. It it forces a judge to discuss their first principles. Um, Once they're on the court, they're no longer bound by precedent. Sorry, decisis does not command a justice. So by asking them about the Constitution's original meaning, you're forcing them to demonstrate their knowledge on a very important area. Ask them how they want to interpret a statute. What's their views of textualism? What are their views of legislative history? Um, you know, how, how, how do you go about deciding cases? And you can't let them wiggle out by saying, I will be a faithful steward of the text. And they always say these sorts of very generic, bland things. You need to really drill them down on specifics. And this is something which we need more senators to have the capability and skills to do. Um, uh, for better or worse, the last substantive confirmation hearing was that of Robert Bork. Robert Bork was asked very carefully, for example, what do you think of the Ninth Amendment? He said, it's like an inkblot, right? I don't know what's behind it. You know, maybe you can like that answer, maybe you don't like that answer, but he gave a substantive answer on what a constitutional provision meant. I don't like that answer. I know you just don't like to be that clear. answer, Caleb. Um, but he gave a substantive answer, and that would allow a senator to vote for or against him if he, uses, he has such a, uh, a, a restricted view of unenumerated rights. You know, for example, how do you understand the original meaning of the Commerce Clause, right? What, what is commerce, right? Does commerce include, um, you know, to use an example in the news, a toad in one state that never crosses state lines that the government deems an endangered species? Is this hapless toad interstate commerce that Congress can regulate? Um, this is actually a case that Judge Garland ruled on. Judge Garland said that a toad in one state could be interstate commerce. Indeed, John Roberts, who was on the district, uh, the D.C. Circuit, called it the hapless toad, and he questioned whether, in fact, that was interstate commerce. You have another idea, which is let's get rid of confirmation hearings altogether. Your record stands on its own. 
and we're just going to vote you up or down. So do you, do you view that as a better alternative than and senators drilling down on a nominee's understanding of the original meaning of the Constitution? In their current form, the confirmation hearing should be jettisoned. They serve no purpose. And, and unless and until the senators are willing to take this seriously, the confirmation hearing only serves to put the judge in an awkward spot. You're asking these judges these awkward questions, which they're not going to be able to answer. There's no substantive discussion. And the entire procedure has been described as kabuki theater. It's all a show, um, especially for lower court hearings, district court and circuit court. Um, the decision of whether, in fact, to hold a hearing is the final decision, right? Once a judge has a hearing, in almost every case, they're voted through. So the chairman, the decision to even hold the hearing is the big deal. I think we'd be much better off as a society if rather than holding these silly hearings and you know, waiting forever to hold hearings, the chairman just said, okay, we're going to vote up or down and be done with it. That way you wouldn't have a vacancy that lasts six months or a year. It seems to me at the district and circuit court levels that perhaps those hearings are more important if these those courts are going to be provide the bench for potential Supreme Court nominees. And the same principle applies to the circuit court nominations. I mean, for the most part, when there's a circuit court hearing, most of the senators aren't even present. They're asking, you know, bogus questions. There's nothing of substance. So again, in their current form, they had nothing. So unless the senators are actually willing to ask the substantive questions that would give you that insight, right, of how that person would be as a justice later on in life, um, these are just used now as a way to delay and not confirm people. Many people on the left have described uh, Merrick Garland as a, as a disappointing pick. Certainly for libertarians, he probably is a disappointing pick. He seems to defend the state at most turns. But uh, what's your take on it? So I think one of the reasons why Garland was picked was because even though he has been a judge for nearly two decades, he hasn't had many decisions of any weight. Um, other than maybe one decision to rehear a Second Amendment case and maybe a few other cases involving uh, administrative law, he hasn't had that many key decisions. And I think from President Obama's perspective, that was considered a plus, right? That there weren't opinions that he wrote that were controversial that could be seized upon. Um, the current process where the confirmation hearings are so antagonistic reward judges who are these sorts of blank slates who've never taken, you know, who've never had significant opinions of any worth. Um, that's not necessarily a good thing because, you know, we, we can more or less predict how maybe Judge Garland will serve as Justice Garland, but we haven't seen, you know, lengthy opinions that weigh in on very, you know, controversial issues. He was picked because he doesn't have these sorts of skeletons in his closet. So how does uh, getting rid of the hearing make that problem of insigni relatively insignificant records, I mean that with no disrespect, just records that you can't, can't uh, get a good idea of how they, would, how they would rule on something, how does that actually help the process? Presidents would have more incentive to become a little bit courageous in their picks if their nominee didn't have to be dragged through the mud in front of that sort of a hearing where they're being asked about what they did. Um, if the process was geared towards actually understanding a judge's jurisprudential philosophy and how they understand the Constitution rather than just saying, well, in this case you wrote this, in that case you wrote that, um, it'll be a more substantive conversation and would actually be much more meaningful. Josh Blackman is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Read more of his work at Cato.org.